Welcome back to the Juice Time Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Adamani. And good Lord Almighty, folks, we are coming off of a remarkable Super Bowl Sunday. And I was so fortunately joined by my brother across the screen from me tonight, the man himself, Nicholas Osen of 24-7 Sports. We were reunited for Super Bowl Sunday and watched an all-time thriller between the Kansas City Chiefs and the runners-up, San Francisco 49ers. Nick, I am still coming off of the high that was that overtime special out in Las Vegas, and I'm glad we're able to digest it tonight. How are you doing tonight, my brother? You know, I'm kind of feeling the same. I was talking with a friend or two just at the Badgers game earlier this week about just how awesome, exciting, and, you know, really riveting that game was. I think it was a great uh, event that we're going to get into a little bit, and it was a blast watching as well. Nick, it was arguably the greatest Super Bowl we have ever watched, certainly games that took place in our lifetime and i genuinely don't believe it will be replicated so folks thank you for tuning in and strap in for a wild one as always juice up all right nick as i just led us into the kansas city chiefs remain atop the mountain earning back-to-back championships for Chiefs Kingdom. And Patrick Mahomes has stamped himself in history. Three Super Bowls in five years. Three Super Bowls in his first six seasons as a starter in the National Football League. Along with three Super Bowl MVPs. He has cemented himself as one of the all-time greats in just six seasons under center in the NFL. It sounds preposterous because it is. There has never been a more successful quarterback in such a short amount of time in the history of our beautiful game. I don't want to pat him on the back too much, no pun intended, but... He truly is a once-in-a-lifetime talent at the quarterback position. And we grew up with the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. And we could very well live through the two greatest when it's all said and done. So, Nick, I was mesmerized by that second half and overtime command that Patrick Mahomes had. And I want to hear your take as you were steadfast in your prediction that the Kansas City Chiefs would not only win the Super Bowl, but become a dynasty. Thank you, sir. You know, not to pat myself on the back too much, but I was pretty steadfast in this exact prediction. We've got, uh, you know, picture proof. I had it Chiefs Niners back in September 
and we were watching obviously together and, and with some of our friends, it was a great time. And I obviously I wasn't always pulling for Brady and those Patriots. So it's hard to kind of put myself back in that seat. But I have never felt so comfortable and confident about a player and therefore his team that if he was going to have the ball last, they will win the game. And, and I distinctly remember like the fourth and one where basically it was a designed run, but he has to sell the fake, get Bosa to crash and all of that. And I don't know how clutch and how comfortable that many players in the league would be at that. Obviously, he made some big-time throws, that gorgeous ball early. I believe it was actually to McCole Hardman as well, uh, that 52-yarder, and then they ended up uh, turning it over as well. But, you know, it's just he is – it was the perfect pairing for him and Andy Reid and, of course, Kelsey and these Chiefs. But I've never seen anything like him. And the beautiful thing is there's just still so much time to watch him. And I really do feel he's got a chance at a 3 piece. Nick, I don't know how any football fan, analyst, casual watcher of the beautiful game could go into next season even considering another team to be the Super Bowl favorite. I saw that directly after the game took place, next year's odds came out, and the 49ers were the most likely team to win the Super Bowl with the Chiefs in second place. Okay. I do not see any signs whatsoever of this football team slowing down unless there are major shakeups on that defensive end, because we have to give a tremendous amount of credit to that unit. If an entire phase of the game could win the MVP, you could certainly argue that the Kansas City Chiefs defense was a massive reason why they came out on top and were able to extend this football game into overtime. No, there weren't any huge highlight reel interceptions or fumble returns for touchdowns. But when it got to third down, they made Brock Purdy incredibly uncomfortable, batting down passes, rushing him at the line. I mean, Chris Jones is worth every penny that the Kansas City Chiefs pay him. And that secondary, McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, they are no joke. I mean, you could say right now Trent McDuffie had the biggest play of the football game. Third and four on a promising drive for the San Francisco 49ers, and Trent McDuffie burst through the line and batted down a surefire completion that truly changed the course of the game late. And... They were able to contain Christian McCaffrey a little bit more than we realize. We don't actually factor that in because he scored that trick play touchdown down the right sideline. But the Chiefs defense has plenty of credit in this win alongside Patrick Mahomes, who did not make many waves in the first half and then just put his foot on the gas for the final two quarters and OT. 
Yeah, I honestly I forgot about that play, which is how much happened in this game. You know, I'll push back on something you said initially first. It was an amazing game. I think we have seen better Super Bowls. However, what I will say is with the overtime element, all the storylines, and really that last, yeah, would have been 31, 32 minutes of play because we got like a whole overtime quarter in, a, in, in the period. It was some intense football. And, you know, I mean, I can share with you and our listeners, I, I did have a little extra riding on it, so I felt like I was in it at times. But that was sincerely incredible. McDuffie, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that play. Of course, I know what you mean. But I was thinking of the great play that he had made in the end zone, too. Like, he deserves a ton of credit. Chris Jones, I think that the Chiefs, and, and I'll hit on this more in a bit, I think they get back one of Jones or Snead. Unfortunately, I don't think they can pay both. But let's give it up to, I think, somebody we've both respected for a long time, Spags. Steve Spagnolo, he could be the first man to get into the Hall of Fame purely based on accomplishments as an assistant coach. I mean, there's no question. I have some pretty good friends that are Chiefs fans. Mahomes is is great. We know that, Kelsey. But that offense was nothing special this year. Like you said, the defense was the backbone. He's the mastermind behind it. And frankly, as, as we wrap up this game and this season – in addition to our Bears, I really am excited to see what those Chiefs do next season. Nick, I absolutely love the shout-out to Coach Spags. And that was the major takeaway this whole week, recapping the Super Bowl as far as the media goes. He has won in Kansas City as a defensive coordinator numerous times. He won in the early 2000s with the New York Giants, who spoiled the Patriots season. And his ability to call a perfect unit has not waned over the course of almost 20 years. He's had plenty of knocks on the door to become a head coach and has been one in the past. But he is one of those guys, similar to that of a Vic Fangio or a Wade Phillips that they are far better serving their football teams as the defensive coordinator as opposed to being the head man. And they're able to recognize it and prosper and receive those accolades as opposed to, oh, I need to be the man in charge. No, you're in charge of that defense, that championship-winning defense. And enjoying the fruits of your labor with another ring. So I absolutely love you mentioning a legendary defensive coordinator that very well could earn himself a spot in Canton down the road. But Nick, I would be remiss if we did not recognize the many blunders and miscues that took place by these San Francisco 49ers. And I will say that by prefacing the Niners did not play poorly whatsoever in this football game. But we said this last week. If you're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, you best not let them hang around if you want to come out on top. And it never felt like the Chiefs were out of the game. It was 10-3 at halftime. Okay, 
just a touchdown football game. You've got the greatest quarterback on the planet on the other side. No problem. And, of course, San Francisco kept chugging down the field, gaining yards on the ground, finding Jawan Jennings in open space. But they never were able to pull away, even with Jake Moody looking sharp for the majority of the game. Of course, likely costing the Niners their first victory in the Super Bowl in nearly 30 years with that blocked extra point. And to cap it all off, you go to overtime. There are new overtime rules in the playoffs that have been heavily discussed. Clearly, the players did not get the memo, and that's on the coaching staff. I watched a video earlier today, a mic'd-up video, where Kyle Juszczyk openly admits on the sideline that he did not realize if they scored a touchdown, the game wasn't over. Each team gets possession, and they were adamant about receiving the ball. All-time blunder, as these are not regular season overtime rules. So the Niners truly beat themselves in so many ways and gave Patrick Mahomes the opportunity to continue to be great. Yeah, as you would say, a lot to unpack there. I'm going to go two ways. Um, two ways, but little mention. I don't think that the kick was really on Moody. Actually, everything was perfect from what we saw. I think it was just a hell of a play by a former Badger great, Leo Chanel, who was one of the top four or five best players in the entire game for the Chiefs, their highest rated player. But the two, the two big spots I want to say, and credit to you for not just sticking to this story. Brock Purdy, though not perfect, continues to show what he can do at the NFL level. I mean, even Spags gave him so much credit. Like, hey, we switched to that more blitzing and a man coverage defense because Purdy was picking apart our zone. He, he doesn't have the biggest arm in terms of our strength, but he's got that that quickness, kind of that quick release, like in basketball, the accuracy, everybody knows, and he's very smart. So I want to give credit to him. And I think you'll love this. I don't remember what you think of this coach. Now, whether it's in football, sports, life, I'm not usually a negative, you know, person, never hear me saying, oh, I hate this rival, hate that athlete, whatever. Really doesn't happen. I've defended Kyle Shanahan for years. Whether him choking in big moments, all the nepotism comments that he shouldn't be in it, whatever. There's no question he's a great football mind. And I think, based on Purdy and others, he's a pretty good leader of men. But it's horrible that he did not relay that to those guys because the Chiefs were practicing it in week two of their training camp. So that's very important. And then, frankly... I don't know all the behind the scenes. I won't pretend that I do. But I think it is complete BS that the Niners, and I believe it would be Shanahan's decision, I don't know for sure, let Steve Wilkes go this week. He was making things so difficult those first two and a half quarters. Was it a perfect unit? No, but there were injuries. Greenlaw went down. I mean, he was making plays. Very early in that game, 
you know I think Wilkes is is a really good leader, a great defensive mind. It felt like that was some I don't know if we swear on this show. So some BS, especially 18 hours prior, saying that he expected all the coaches back. That not much upset me this week, especially winning that much from the Super Bowl and one of my favorite players. But in the words of Peter Griffin, that really grinded my gears. And I was unfortunate to see that happen to who I believe is a really damn good football coach. Nick, it's absolutely sickening that the 49ers had to seemingly seek out a scapegoat in Steve Wilkes, another guy who we talked about during the Super Bowl who couldn't cut it as a head coach but has done wonders for that San Francisco 49ers defense who has battled injury throughout the entire season. Mufanga, one of their best players on that defensive unit, wasn't even in the Super Bowl. Drake Greenlaw got hurt almost immediately in the football game, tearing his Achilles. And Wilkes was still able to contain Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's really capable of doing that in this league. Yes, Mahomes had two touchdowns and over 300 yards. But most of those yards came in the second half when they were climbing back in the football game. We talked about how Travis Kelsey was a non-factor in the first half. Probably the second best player on the field when you really take a gander at it. And he was taken out of the football game by that San Francisco 49ers defense. So that was... Another miscue by that franchise, and I hope he finds work immediately across the league because he's more than deserving. And you talk about Kyle Shanahan, Nick. I have actually defended him more times than I probably should have at this point as he now has a third blemish on his resume between being an offensive coordinator and now a head coach these last few years in San Francisco. This is the third time where he has had a double-digit lead in the Super Bowl and blown it. One with the Falcons 28-3 against the New England Patriots. How can you be up 25 points in the Super Bowl and lose? And then back-to-back matchups against the Kansas City Chiefs, losing to Andy Reid and company. And talk about a coach that has all the respect in the world for myself, and I know you do as well. This Kansas City Chiefs team, Nick, is the present-day dynasty, and they deserve every bit of Praise and the accolades coming their way. Travis Kelsey, yes, he did not score in the Super Bowl, but he provided a massive impact on those drives down the field in the second half. He seemingly was going to seal the deal on one big play down the left side, but just got knocked out of bounds on the two or three yard line. So for people to say, oh, is Kelsey retiring and riding off to the sunset with Taylor Swift? 
Absolutely not, folks. He's got three or four more years in him with the best quarterback in the league at the helm. Come on, folks. They're going for three next year. And if it's not the Bears, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be rooting for them if they get right back to that championship. Well, as we continue to wind things down, I'm going to play the question, man, here. I'm going to give you two. If you are, and again, I don't believe this, whatever. I'm posing a question. People know that. If you are Shanahan and the 49ers, because it seems there's already some unrest with some contract situations, Brandon Ayuk, et cetera. Do you make a play at Kirk Cousins, number one? And number two, give me one AFC team, one NFC team that you could see knocking off these Chiefs. Nick, that's absolutely disrespectful to my man, number 13, Brock Purdy. He's proven himself in his first two seasons as one of the premier quarterbacks in this league. You can remove that manager tag that so many people are throwing around. Yes, he looked maybe similar to a game manager in this Super Bowl, but we just spent how many minutes praising that Kansas City Chiefs defense led by Coach Spags and led by Chris Jones, who will be a Hall of Famer himself down the road. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy made remarkable strides in that Super Bowl game and gave his team many opportunities to win. That loss is not on him. He found the fifth option in Jawan Jennings numerous times down the field and created opportunities for him when CMC was shut down, Debo was shut down, and at times Ayuk was not available. Brock Purdy is the long-term option for the San Francisco 49ers, certainly as long as Shanahan is the head coach. So I don't believe any of the rumors of Kirk Cousins heading out west. I could see him on a different team than the Vikings, but I also know he's not a guy that's just eager to leave a comfortable situation because he's one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in this league with maybe a few playoff berths to show for it. And Nick... I'm really having to go deep into the Rolodex for this one as far as the NFC goes. So let me think on that a couple minutes longer. But if there's anyone that's going to be as hungry as you need to be to dethrone number 15 and those chiefs as part of the kingdom, it's none other than Josh Allen the leader of the pack up north in Orchard Park, New York. He's had so many battles against Mahomes, only coming away with a handful of victories, almost always on the losing end in heartbreak. They're never blowouts. They're never, oh, the Chiefs ran away with that one. No, it's always coming down to the fourth quarter. And you said it best earlier in the show. If you give Patrick Mahomes the ball, to close out the game, your defense is in a world of hurt. And those losses are almost never on Josh Allen. He seems to play his best football 
against the Kansas City Chiefs. So if I had to pick a team in the AFC, it would be Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, certainly not the Baltimore Ravens as we saw them crumble in the AFC Championship. So I'm hopeful that my man Josh can reach the ultimate grand stage in the Super Bowl next year, but he will need a ton of help. So I'm I'm excited. First off, love your responses. I don't think the 49ers should do that either, especially because from what I understand, money's going to be tight with some of their big guys. Um, I would think McCaffrey's up for an extension in the next year or so. you got to plan for that. Ayuk, like I mentioned, one year left, George Kittle. A lot of these guys, I don't know what the D-line situation's like. I mean, they've got talent all over. That's the tough part. NFC, a little bit off the cuff, nothing crazy, but a little bit kind of outside the box, a little bit. The LA Rams. I'm uh, not high on the Eagles, even though I'm huge on Jalen Hurts. I think those Packers could be pretty good, but I don't think they'll go that far. Our Bears should be better, but Rams, I'm going to stick to that. And now my honest pick from the AFC would be the Bengals because it's getting to be now or never time for that regime. But I'm curious to see your reaction on this. One team that I could see getting to the AFC championship game is the Houston Texans. I think C.J. Stroud, I I don't overreact in sports. I, I, I wish I get a little credit for that, but I don't do that especially with NFL guys early on. He's not a superstar yet, but from what we just saw in his rookie season, C.J. Stroud has all the makings of a superstar, an awesome coach, talent on defense, and I believe they're going to have a ton of money to spend. You get a big-time receiver, throw in an extra tackle and like another pass rusher or something because their secondary is good. I'm picking the Chiefs as of now to win it all. I maybe done my future again, but the Texans are a team I believe in. And I think we're going to see a lot of them in the next three to five years. Nick, I love your dark horse pick in the Houston Texans as CJ Stroud, of course, winning offensive rookie of the year and our man in D'Amico Ryan's heading up that strong football team down in Houston. The alumni returning home to coach him up, as they say. And in his first year reaching the postseason, you couldn't have a better situation for football fans down in Houston. And you talk about these scenarios, Nick. Of course, we know we have six months plus to mull this over and talk about it on the show numerous times. See what offseason moves are made. And which of these teams are able to make a splash in free agency come the new league year in March? So, Nick, I will round out the show with some unfortunate news as far as our beloved Chicago Bears go in terms of one of the releases that were made earlier today. Our man, Bo Jack, Eddie Jackson, was released by the Chicago Bears this afternoon. I would not say I was stunned or shocked. We kind of saw the writing on the wall this past season where he went into the year before 
any games were played and said, this is going to be my best year yet. Of course, talking about football. And for all intents and purposes, he fell flat. And there were many stars that emerged on that defense, particularly the secondary in Kyler Gordon, Tyreek Stevenson, and Jaquan Brisker. So there's honestly no more room for a veteran that has kind of seen the best years of his career pass him by. And this is not a negative thing coming from me because he was probably the second best and second most important player on that 2018 defense behind Khalil Mack and propelling those Chicago Bears into an NFC North championship. So I have nothing but love for number 39 slash number four, and I am disappointed to see us move on from him. Yep. Uh, you know, as we wrap up here, not surprising really at all. Uh, I mean, you had texted me, and I was just sad about it because how quickly it came. Never was my favorite bear or my favorite bear on defense probably, but will probably end up in my top 10 to 12 bears ever just because in this day and age, around for a long time, great dude. was like a two-year, at least pro bowler, if not all pro. Some injuries got to him. He obviously dealt with injuries in college, and, you know, it's always tough and impressive when you come back from that. I think he loved Chicago. Uh, also, major credit to Cody Whitehair, who was just an awesome, uh, awesome guy with, you know, with these Bears. I see Eddie probably sh- signing a short deal, cheap deal somewhere. Could see Whitehair definitely hanging up the cleats. But either way, hats off to those guys. And honestly, I- I'll miss them, especially – knowing Bo Jackson on that defense. Nick, I appreciate you tipping the cap to Cody Whitehair. Obviously, I loved him a little bit more when he was under center for Mitchell Trubisky, and his talents on the field really waned these last couple of years, and he was actually out of that front five for all of the 2023 season. So that was clear as day. It was time for us to move on from number 65, but grateful for his services. And the new league year is just around the corner for us, Nick. So the Bears have some astronomical decisions to make. So, folks, thank you for tuning in. And as always, tune up, Bear Down Forever.